Good morning and welcome to episode 10 of the Quickie Podcast. You heard that, right? 10, double digits. There'll be two numbers there. Uh, I just wanted to take a minute and thank mom and my wife and my kids, you know, for all of your support. I'm just kidding. Come on. That's episode 10. Let's get moving here. Um, I do want to say, though, that if you have not had a chance to review uh, the podcast, write a little review and a rating on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you're listening to it, uh, please do so. I really appreciate it. I love reading them. I love hearing them. And, you know, it just... Uh, Get, let's me know what you like and what you don't like so we can just keep cranking through and keep entertaining you. Um, now, today's guest is Megan Hole, who is a very talented freelance graphic designer out of Seattle, Washington. She has worked with Starbucks. She's worked with Gatorade. She's messed around in the cannabis game. She's got some fun stories to share and she shares them with us. So let's get to it and uh, look forward to hearing what you think of this one. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Everybody, thank you for listening to the Quickie Podcast. Today, my interview is with Megan Hole, who is a freelance graphic designer currently working with a tiny little coffee company called Starbucks. Hello, Megan. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to. So I want to dive right in. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Yeah, so as Dave mentioned, um, I'm a freelance designer for Starbucks. Um, My career path has been winding and has taken me um from seattle to denver and back again and given me the opportunity to work with clients ranging from gatorade to tatcha some cannabis clients um a lot of beer and liquor clients and now to starbucks so very cool now with all of these cool beverage customers do you get to sample the product like that's part of the process isn't it um, it is. And it's really fun. Um, one of the perks at Starbucks definitely is getting to sample products about a year before they launch. So very cool. uh, yeah, being part of the tastings is very, very fun. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So what was your, what was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood? Um, yeah. So I grew up in the mountains of Colorado in a tiny ski town called Steamboat Springs. And, um, I do think I had a creative childhood. I used to draw and make up stories. Um, my parents have a VHS of, um, me on my sister's baby monitor reading a book to myself that I couldn't read. So I was just making up stories, looking at the photos or the pictures. Now VHS Um, for the younger listeners is a little plastic tape that you used to play (laughs) (laughs) through a machine called a VCR. (laughs) <laughs> and they would play video on a TV. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did that. We didn't have um, cable TV until I was 10. So weekends would consist of Saturday morning cartoons and then playing outside. So yeah, lots okay. of room for creativity and fun. 
cartoons and outdoors, building stuff, cutting sticks, throwing sticks. Yep, lots of mud pies. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Love it. <laughs> so then what do you think led you to becoming a designer? Um, so when I was, I guess, choosing a career path um, in high school, which is so weird that you have to do that, um, I was I knew I wanted to do something creative. Mm-hmm. And I was waffling between studying journalism and graphic design and honestly think I came to graphic design because it kind of marries the communication aspect of journalism with visual art. Um, but I think I still wrestle with what it means to be a designer on a daily basis. Um, so still figuring that out and still trying to make a career out of it, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So then take us back to when you first started noticing design in the wild or out in public, what did you start to see? Uh, well, my mom, she would watch a lot of like interior design TV shows like HGTV, TLC. So um, I knew a lot about interior design and she has an amazing aesthetic and a really good eye for art and things that look good. Um, so kind of having that guide me as I grew up was really influential. Um, I honestly, I think I started noticing design with like MTV and album art and like bumpers and stuff like that. Um, one of my mom's really good friends, her husband, he's a graphic artist for the Conan O'Brien show and he would make the like bumpers between the show and commercials. And I had no idea that that was something that someone could do, but he built a career just making really cool art for TV. So, um, I think that was part of what inspired this career path a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That's a cool one. Yeah. Very cool. So when you're faced with a new project, somebody approaches you with something uh, to a creative, how do you get a project started? Um, I think, I mean, everyone has a, or every project has a different needs, but um, generally it starts with like ideating, making a word list and then, gathering inspiration for mood boards and then sketching and then translating those onto screen and refining, refining, refining. (laughs) (laughs) And refining. Yep. Until you're sick of it. And then you send it off to print or the client or whatever. And then you see it in the wild and you fall in love with it again. Hopefully. Yeah. So the word list that you mentioned off first, would that be sort of keywords or brand words that sort of tie into what they're looking for? Um, I think it's a little bit of that and partially just word vomit and like trying to find something that is unique or, I mean, with coffee is coffee, especially mostly just because I'm in that world right now. Um, it's such a saturated market. So how do you do something unique with something that everyone sees on a daily basis and grocery stores, grocery store shelves are crowded with and, um, just how how do you think of something that everyone thinks of regularly differently? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> totally. It actually reminds yeah. me of a Mad Men episode. I don't know if you ever watched the show um, where Donald Draper, the creative director for this ad agency, was trying to come up with new lingo and words amongst for a cigarette brand. It was Lucky Strike or something. Uh-huh. And it was, he came up with, it's toasted. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, that's just stuck with me for the longest yeah, time. Yeah, the little things and just like the quips and um, just, yeah, thinking of something differently. I mean, there's a reason Got Milk became right. such a an influential ad campaign. 
Definitely. That's yeah. a really good that's a really good point. Good example. Yeah. So what has been the most influential design of your life so far? It could be something you've been a part of uh, or just something you've witnessed. Um definitely one that's been a big part of my career um was my first job out of college. I was um working in print production. Um and my main client was Gatorade. So um I learned way too much about Gatorade, but um, I was able to choose some liquid colors for flavors that they were developing. So kind of like picking a Pantone chip for them to target a liquid color with was really fascinating. And now they've started like rolling out into the world and seeing those on grocery store shelves and having flashbacks to being like 22 and having no idea what I was doing. While choosing these colors. <laughs> yeah. This drink should really be like PMS 365. Like yeah. It would just be. Almost haunting. But um, <laughs> that's been really, really cool. What a unique yeah. perspective on color. Yeah. So, yeah I love. No, <laughs> no wonder that one stuck with you. Yeah. So where do you get your design inspiration? Um, all over. Movies, museums, books. Pinterest, the internet. Um, but I do try to make a point of going outside and like getting off the screen and kind of, um, recentering myself. And I think just a lot of inspiration comes from being quiet almost and like giving my brain time to think and make connections that it wouldn't, if I was just sitting on the couch in front of my phone or the TV or something like that. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you meditate or anything like that or no, I don't, but I think the act of going outside is kind of meditative for me. Um, I um, try to walk home from work every day, so it's like a good 30 minutes of quiet time or I'll call my mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just like a little bit of alone time, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So during these projects that you're working on, do you ever run into creative blocks? And how do you get past them? Um, all the time. And um, I actually have a really good friend who, like her secret formula, it works, um, and it's ass plus chair. And it's just the discipline of sitting down with the intention of creating, and some days, like, you're not going to get anywhere. It's just going to be garbage, and you'll have doodles and doodles, and, like, nothing good will come out of it. And then some days you'll find the magic or the spark, and hopefully those days are more frequent than the uninspired, um, really frustrating days, but Hmm. it's just sitting down with the intention of doing something and actually doing it. So the process was ass in chair. Ass plus chair. Ass plus chair. (laughs) I love it. It's so simple. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Secret sauce. I love it. Yeah. So, (laughs) So has social media changed graphic design or the process of design? And is that beneficial or harmful? I think it has. Um, I think that just the prevalence of social media has really changed design. And now you have like people designing Instagram story templates and like people copy and paste and share. And like, that's a way to get exposure, which is really weird. Um, and then, I mean, there it's, you just have inspiration at your fingertips 
constantly. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to wade through it and wade through what's trendy and being able to find like the actual <laughs> good design is part of what's so difficult about having that so easily accessible. And no one reads books anymore. <laughs> okay, as a person in the print field, I'm an yeah. advocate for books. Everybody, yeah. go buy hard copy books, please. Stacks. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's something to be said for having a printed piece to reference uh-huh. um, as far as inspiration goes, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I have a number of design books and logo books. And one of my favorite books right now, I'm not sure if you're into typography, um, mm-hmm. but it's actually called Don't Do Coke in the Bathroom. I've never heard of that. And it's like but- a guide to hand lettering. You have to find it, it's absolutely okay. fantastic. I'm going to find this because that comes to me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do coke in the bathroom. Just leave it out on the coffee table when the parents come over and just see what you see. So who's a designer or a brand that you look up to closely or follow? And what is it about them that you like? Um, I think anyone who's authentic in their work and honest about their process these days is really very in- inspirational. Um, I actually have a friend in Portland who's opened up his own studio called old friend and, um, they just do really beautiful, amazing design work and it's all branding. Um, I think the people that I'm most inspired by in the design community are the ones that do a lot of branding. Um, and it might be because I'm, I've been doing a lot of corporate design, so I haven't had the opportunity to like really develop and grow and, give love to a brand start to finish. It's more like jumping into style guides and making sure that everything's consistent and on brand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but I think their old friends, amazing. Um, I mean, going back to Instagram, <laughs> um, 1924 us Christian Watson, he's, um, definitely an inspiration and constantly shows his process, which is all done by hand, which is incredible. Um, Joshua, I think it's Minich or it might be Minich. Um, he is really inspired by like old labels and has a book called ephemera that I love. Um, that's just found labels that are copyright free that he's picked up in antique shops across the country. And what was the book Um, called? Ephemera. Ephemera. It's, yeah, um, and he produced it and printed it himself. So I think it's like 35 bucks, um, and I think he's doing a second volume, which is very cool. That's cool. Uh, yeah, and then the Jessicas, Jessica Hish, Jessica Walsh, um, Draplin, <laughs> just the branding greats. Um, yeah. They're all super, super inspirational. So how can design make a difference in people's lives? Um, I mean, that's such a big question. It, um, design is everywhere while trying to be nowhere, if that makes sense. Like the best design, especially in interior design or, um, like wayfinding design, it's supposed to be functional and seamless. But when you like noticing it, you'll either notice if it's really bad but you won't notice it if it's really good. So that's kind of the goal with those sorts of design. Um, uh, and then well said, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, and then as far as like graphic design and branding goes, I think, um, 
I don't know. There's so many different ways to do it. And I think it's, um, it makes a difference when it's beautiful and functional and just like draws the consumer or someone into it. Uh Yeah. Um, and then I don't know, there's just so many, there's so many different facets of design too. Cause then I'm, I'm like, Oh, product design. There's people like making the ergonomic forks. So people that have Parkinson's can eat without like spilling their food everywhere. It's just, um, yeah, I mean, it can make a huge difference or it can just be something beautiful that fades into the background. So well said, well said. (laughs) So how do you gauge if your designs are resonating with their intended audience? Um, the, the thing about corporate design is that you have people that measure its performance Uh by how much revenue was generated. So Um, it's not the sexiest way of gauging if it's resonating, but it's effective. (laughs) It's it's practical and it really is the end goal in that, in that process. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I wish I had some sexier designs that I, um, knew people love just because they, um, it resonated with them, but Uh I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) You're in the land of corporate for now. So that's how it goes. Not yet. But hopefully <laughs> so take us to a design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. And what was that like? Um, well, at an agency I was at in Denver, um, one of our cannabis clients, um, they were difficult to work with for a number of reasons. But um we were doing a big packaging overhaul for them and um, their logo, they wanted to be printed or like have white space with a gloss on it. Um, And I went to the press check and we kept having to revise these files, revise these files because the color wasn't right. And then the placement of something wasn't right. And it, um, it was just like super, super frustrating. And, um, I approved something, the project manager approved something, and then the client behind our back went to (laughs) check this. And then she thought that the logo wasn't showing up enough, but it didn't have the gloss on it yet. And she just like vetoed everything and like put the agency in the hole. Um, And that was, yeah, that was super, super frustrating. Um, But also liberating in a way, because I realized that this was not the agency that I wanted to be a part of. This was not the a client that I wanted to work with. So I was able to walk away and like, um, learn what, I guess what I'm willing to put up with uh-huh. in the yeah. world. And then where I draw the line as far as like client involvement, where it goes too far. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a personal lesson as well as an agency lesson. Yes, definitely. Nice. <laughs> uh, so what, is a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of or one that makes your heart sing? Um, Oh, I have a couple coming out that, um, I don't know if I can quite talk about, but, um, one, so Starbucks, we have our reserve stores, which are like the black label Starbucks coffee. Uh Um, and each coffee that they sell in those stores is, um, like small lot coffee. Uh So it's, um, more expensive and, um, purchased in smaller quantities. 
And I had the opportunity to design a card that accompanies a bag of coffee and um, had kind of like a, a vague concept in mind. And then after expanding upon it and expanding upon it, it kind of took on a life of its own, uh-huh. um, which I'm very excited about. Um, <laughs> the coffee is cool. Yeah, the coffee's from Ecuador, and there's a national park really close by that has, like, for some reason, thousands of butterflies that flock to it. They even have, like, butterfly tours. And I started researching butterflies, and they're a symbol of change and um, all these other really beautiful things. And the area that this coffee's grown in, it's really affected by climate change. Uh Um, So using the butterfly as a catalyst for change is kind of how this card ended up. Cool. Yeah, it was I, really I know cool. exactly the cards you're talking about. I collect those cards. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be coming out in like September, hopefully. But yeah, I'm super, super proud of that. And it was all illustrated. So it was a good challenge as far as my drawing skills go. Oh, very cool. <laughs> Yeah. So when you were illustrating and drawing that, did you start, obviously started with sketchbook, started with paper and then translated it into vector? Yep. Um, I started with pencil and paper and then, um, I have my iPad. So, um, brought that sketch into procreate and then, um, went over that and actually had to redo it a couple of times because like my layers were all messed up and there's only so much that you can do in procreate so decided that each color needed to be its own layer for each butterfly I guess yeah um yeah so did that a couple of times and then brought it into photoshop so that one's mostly photoshop but yeah very cool and do you use an ipad pro with the apple pencil yes and i'm obsessed with it that's super cool i have that set up and i have Uh no idea what i'm doing so I need to spend some more time with it. Yeah, I had some free time last spring between contracts and decided I was going to get the iPad Pro and teach myself how to do lettering on it, which I still haven't learned. Um, but <laughs> I do recommend Skillshare for figuring out how to use Procreate because it is just so super, super cool. And I haven't even scratched the surface. So, yeah. Yeah. So what piece of advice would you offer to uh, new design grads or new people who are new to the graphic design industry? Um, what piece of advice would you give them to sort of figure out how to make their mark in the industry? Um, man, I still feel like I'm figuring this out. <laughs> um, I think just trusting your gut. Um, I think that's a lesson that I've learned over and over again. But, um, yeah, your instincts, they should be your guiding principle. And if a job or a client or something isn't quite feeling right, I don't think that you have to stick it out if it just doesn't feel right, like deep in your gut. Um, And having the gumption to make a change and go after something that you are excited to do and or clients that you're excited to work with or – things that inspire you and challenge you. Nice. I like that. Thanks. (laughs) So what is next in graphic design? Do you see any emerging trends? Um, well, uh, this might be optimistic, but I'm hoping that 
print is making a comeback. I have seen people working with like risographs a lot more and um, I mean, everything's cyclical, right? So we've been leaning into di- digital so hard for the last like 10 years. Uh-huh. Um, hopefully there's some, I mean, there's always the people that are like, Oh, letterpress forever. And um, I really hope that some of those cool old school printing techniques start coming back and um that there's some innovation within how we utilize them. I believe they will. I believe, yeah. they, I believe they are actually. Yeah. I mean, you're in the industry. So <laughs> yeah, I live my day in the game and yeah. it's uh, definitely going good. Yeah. Uh, so good. what is one design product tool website or community that you cannot live without? Um, illustrator. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without Adobe Illustrator or honestly most Adobe products. Um, and then, yeah, I've been using the iPad more and more. And um, I'm, I think that it's just getting better and better. So um, can I have two? <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> I think those two would be my, my keeps. And then a pencil and paper. Like Classic. you have to start with that. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Megan, that's my last question. You're home free. Cool. That was easy. And it's Dave Hopkins, your host, hopping in here again. Hope you enjoyed my chat today for episode 10 with Megan Hole. And uh, look, if you're a graphic designer and you are digging what you're hearing on the quickie and you've got some stories to share, uh, definitely hit us up, thequickiepodcast.com. Log on there, fill out a little form, send us uh, a little info, letting us know that you're interested, and we'll reach out. We'll reach out to uh, hear what you got to say and maybe set up a time for an interview. Uh, Looking forward to hearing from you. Looking forward to chatting soon. Take care. Have a great day.